Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Free Jew Podcast, formerly Storytime with Dave. Thanks for being with me. I have a few things. Really what I want to talk about is um, this like Tennessee 3 situation that I don't even really know what's going on. And honestly, I don't really care what the details are. What I've gleaned from the situation is that they expelled two members from the Tennessee House of Representatives for being annoying. That's basically like a very basic, that's a basic understanding. Maybe you know more and, and you know, there are other details involved. I don't really care because I want to talk about this guy, Justin Pearson. Now, I'm going to be playing some audio because I don't really, dude, like, I I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like, I got to figure out how to do, like, a stream and have you be able to see the video that I'm seeing. I don't, like, I'm I'm trying, okay? I'm just, like, filming this on my phone. And uh, let's just get that a little more centered. Very good, very good. And then I just recorded on the uh, the microphone, and that goes to the audio uh, feed which is on Spotify. So you should subscribe there if you just want to listen to audio. I think what I'm also going to do is um, is do like text to voice for some of the blogs that I've written, like the funnier ones, because the robot voice reading, like the AI voice reading the, uh, like a blog that is very inflammatory is hilarious. Like an AI voice saying, very inflammatory and offensive things it's very funny so i think i'm going to start doing that too but i have to figure out like i don't know how to convert that to audio it's probably not that hard i'm just trying to figure all this out like the important thing is that you're getting good content that's what i want to do i've been listening back you know i'm about to be 30 years old in two weeks i'm going to be 30 and not even like 12 days i'm going to be 30. it's born on 420 same as hitler it's a powerful day powerful that's why i know i'm destined for greatness so i've been listening back to some of uh the older episodes and i'm like i don't i gotta figure it out i gotta like be more consistent and figure it out because i've just bounced around for so long and uh you know, trying to figure out the things that I think about the world, but I think I have a better idea now and I'm hoping, uh, I don't know. It's like the, the wild swings get a little like narrower and you get a better idea of what you actually think about things. And I, I figure out what I think about things kind of like in a negative way in the sense of like, if something really bothers me and I don't like it, I'm like, at least I know what I don't like. And then we narrow it down that way. Because <laughs> I listen to some of the older episodes when I'm like a libertarian and it's annoying. So I, I don't want to be annoying. I'm not trying to be annoying, you know. But I just feel like that's kind of how it goes a lot when you listen back on the things that you think when you're younger, even if it's like, a year and a half ago, and I'm like 28. I'm just like, ah, that wasn't good. I don't like that I said that. So I'm going to try to, and really, I've, like I said last episode, I feel very free and unconstrained. So I think that'll provide more consistency because I don't have to like tiptoe. Obviously, 
given that this is posted on YouTube, I have to tiptoe a little bit, but that's different. And you figure out, we'll have figure out how to finesse. Like I'm a Jew. I'll be able to finesse my way around the YouTube landscape because that's what Jews do. You understand? So I can do that. Like I might have problem. Like I've, I've been describing it as like these Jews. That's what I try to tell people. These Jews. Who are these Jews? You should know. I'm not talking about you, Jew. When we talk about free Jew, it's like that's for regular average everyday Jews. To stop being taken advantage of by these Jews who will show you movies like Schindler's List and be like, it would have been you. It would have been you. If you were there, it would have been you. I had a joke that I wrote that I can't even do because it's like you can't do it in Manhattan, but just about how I'm like, you think I would have died in the Holocaust? No way. <laughs> like I would have I would have pulled a Soros and just start ratting on any like I'm not black. I, I'll rat. <laughs> I like the Gestapo would like knock on my door and be like, are there any Jews here? I'd be like, wait a second. Yes. I am one. But I know about 25 on this block. I know where they're hiding. Let's work out a deal. <laughs> That's why I tell Jews, like, be careful listening to this. Because I get to say stuff like that. It's funny. And it's also like, I'm just being honest. In times of desperation, you don't know how you'd act. And everyone thinks they'd hide Jews in their basement. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. There's no way. The... Because COVID was very illuminating for that. And perhaps I've mentioned this before, but I'm like, you you wanted me for not getting vaccinated. You wanted bad things to happen to me. And you thought I was a grandma murderer. And you went along like with the, the crowd and, and what was acceptable. And you think you would have hid Jews? The stakes are so much higher. You wouldn't have done that. There's no chance. Like, some people would have that I know. Very few. Very few. I probably would have if I wasn't one. But I don't even know if I would have. I mean, it depends. Like, what did, it, what did an average German feel towards Jews in the 1930s? I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, I've learned some about it. There was some friction there, obviously. Taking a sip of water. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> and I realize you still need a more robust explanation of what a free Jew is, but I think you'll just kind of get it as we go along. And today is going to be more about blacks. Like, we're going to be focusing on that more because of this guy. What's his name? Justin Pearson. And as I was saying, you're just going to hear the audio, but you don't need to see the video. You can look up a picture of the guy and he's got an afro. And this is the first thing that I want to point out. It's not that I have anything against someone having an afro. When my hair grows out, like you give this another month and I'll have a little afro. And if I let it go longer, it's like I get an afro. So it's fine. But this guy's in the House of Representatives. He's in the State House of Representatives. And he's got an afro. And it's just not a good look. Not to be misunderstood here, it's just 
you you're in this position like i have a job now where i have to interact with clients and luckily the beard has become like acceptable in business which i appreciate because without a beard i look like a retard but i have to keep it like i'm gonna have to trim this today you know get rid of that shorten it a little bit make sure it doesn't look like a chew out of hand and i'm gonna have to get a haircut in a few days because I have to look presentable. Because when I'm dealing with clients and like ownership, they have certain expectations. Okay? And you want to be taken seriously. And you got this big afro and I'm like, do something about that. Get a haircut. Like, look more presentable. Look more professional. You're in the House of Representatives. Like, that's just how I feel about that. I don't think it's a good look. So we're going to get into this, and I just want to see if there's anything off the top, anything else that I want to talk about. I think what we're going to be doing here is not specifically Jew-focused always. And it depends if I want to talk about them and if, like, what's going on. Oftentimes, the things I'm going to talk about are things that are happening and that I find bothersome and annoying. Like this Tennessee 3 thing, I was like, I don't know what this is. I just went on Twitter one day and it was trending. And I looked at it for five seconds. I, I saw the, a video of this guy speaking and I heard it for a few seconds and I went, this is so annoying. I'm going to talk about this because it's funny too. He's like the most knockoff MLK LARPer that I've ever seen. In a way that it's like worse than Al Sharpton. It's really, you, you'll find it funny. It's very funny. And then we're going to compare and contrast that with MLK speaking. And then we're going to compare that to Malcolm X speaking. And maybe we can get a better idea of why Malcolm is much better. Because the other thing about Malcolm that I wanted to mention that I kind of realized is that he was actually a devout Muslim, which turned out to be very important and a reason why he was very dangerous, especially once he realized that Elijah Muhammad was like a false prophet. And if you're not familiar with that story, he was a disciple of this guy, Elijah Muhammad, who turned out to be a fraud, or at least that's what Malcolm made of him once he visited Mecca and realized what it really meant to be Muslim. So then he changed his tune and he kind of became like a solo artist and then he had to die. <laughs> One of the reasons that he was dangerous because he was a devout Muslim. And this was a time when if you wanted to control someone like Martin Luther King, if he had lusts and desires that he could not resist, such as cheating on his wife a lot you could use that as blackmail on him and if you don't think he knew about the blackmail that I, they had on him of course he did the fbi is going to be like hey we have this stuff on you that's how blackmail works you don't just keep it maybe sometimes you do you keep it for just in case when you need it but other times like if you want to control someone as they're doing what they're doing then show them what you have on them and be like, sure would be a shame if this information got out there. And Malcolm was a 
you know, a loyal husband. And he didn't go do wild shit. Now, he was a wild man when he was younger. But by the time he was a public figure, he handled himself well. So he wasn't able to be controlled in the way that Martin Luther King was. You understand? And I actually, through watching this, found that I was maybe a little harsh on MLK and his speaking. Because it's not as bad as I thought, remembering it. But it does seem like the more people he was speaking in front of, the more annoying it was. Because then he would do more of this. And I just find that cadence to be really annoying. And it's hard to listen to for more than a few seconds. It gets to, it gets, it becomes grating. A lot of people have to work on their ability to speak. I have to work on my ability to speak. I listen to myself sometimes, especially I've gotten a little bit better, but you listen back to yourself and you find the things that you don't like and you try to adjust those as best you can. But overall, I think I do a pretty good job, wouldn't you say? I'm sure you would. I'm sure you'd agree. So let's, let's just get into this. And I also want to say that for now, don't expect this to be too consistent. Like I'm giving you two episodes kind of back to back. And um, that's just because I happen to have some time today. It's Saturday and my apartment is empty. And those are usually the two criteria that I require in order to record. It's not that often that the apartment's empty. And um, it's not that often these days that I have enough time to do it. So I just want you to be aware that this will be sporadic for now. And you'll just have to be okay with that. But when I'm on, I'll make sure it's great. Okay? Just for you. Because I love you. So let's get into it. And this is what we'll talk about today. And we'll see where this goes. I'm not really sure. I don't have much of a plan. But I do have these three videos lined up. And we'll just listen to them. And comment as we go. So let's see what former, now expelled Representative Justin Pearson has to say. To God be the glory. Okay, so it's already annoying, <laughs> you see. If you, if you watch the video, maybe I'll include a link below so you can see the video. He has this little smirk. He's like, to God be the glory. <laughs> He's like, I, did, I did way too Jewish of a smirk. That was like more of a schemey smirk. His is less schemey. His is more like pretentious. But he's like, I'm doing it. I am Martin. Reborn. You can tell. It's so... He's through, to God be the glory. He's five, to God be the glory. He's five words in, and it's already annoying. And it's going to be hard for us to proceed. And really, we'll just listen to as much as we can. But let's see. Because it's, it's not just the way he's saying it. It's also just annoying what he's saying, which adds to it being unlistenable or unwatchable. But... And that's the other thing. I don't care if it was somehow, if you're going to make an argument that it was like unjustified that he was expelled, I don't really know what the situation is, as I said. But just based on this, based on those five words, I'm like, expel that guy. <laughs> like, that's so annoying. 
imagine if you had to listen to that all the time being in the house of representatives you want him out too it doesn't matter it's nothing to do with his race or his afro it's just like dude, what are you doing it's so annoying man please stop let's see what else this man has to say for the things that god has done and the things that god's still doing And the things that God's still doing. <sighs> okay. It is indeed a sad day for us in the state of Tennessee with the loss of Justin, Representative Justin Jones from this body. Why does he in Tennessee? Why do you have to drag out the words? Say what you're going to say. You don't have to speak fast. You don't have to speak like Ben Shapiro or Candace Owens. They speak like they're constantly doing blow. But why do you have, feel the need to drag it out? That compounds. Now you're turning like a 20-minute speech into a 35-minute speech just because of the way you're dragging out words in Tennessee. It's so unnecessary. We need to be done with this. This was a 1960s thing. We we need to move on from this. And it's there haven't been a lot of in their defense since the 1960s. There haven't been a lot of like standout black leaders. Cuz Obama did it too, but even he was less annoying. He speaks slowly. Way too slowly. And it's gotten worse as he's gotten older. But it was not this annoying. Maybe we should get Obama in the loop too. We'll look that up after we, we finish with these three. And we can get Obama for more comparison. Because he did it differently. And maybe that would be a better way forward if you're going to imitate someone. Maybe go for more of a Barry kind of vibe. Because this, this is, it's played out. It's 1960s stuff. We should be done with it. And by we, I mean black people. It's just, again, it's it, it goes to like the transparency. Does anyone hear this and not think to themselves, he's just LARPing Martin Luther King? Does anyone hear this and not just think like he's trying to imitate Martin Luther King? Even I feel like a white liberal would be able to be like, he sounds a lot like he's trying to do Martin Luther King. But they'd be like, but that's so good. That's so good. He's the greatest American there ever was. So, um, I think, but I feel like they could even notice it. How could you not notice that? Let's continue. It is a victory of this movement that still says it matters to end gun violence in the state of Tennessee. This movement that still says it is time for just action and just reforms in our state and to still have representative Gloria Johnson serving in this house. That's the power of justice. The fact that she didn't get expelled is somehow the power of justice. Like I do know a little bit, I was being misleading. Like they would go on when they're not allowed to be speaking, you know, there's like something called decorum where you need to, you know, be, granted permission to speak in the house <laughs> and they just went up with like bullhorns and started yelling about you know whatever ar-15s i also 
we'll mention this. I went home for for Passover dinner, which we don't even do. My family's not Jewish, really. It's just more of a cultural thing. It's not a religious thing. So when we do, like, we just had beef stew and, like, my mom had latkes for some reason that she got at King's. That's our, that's the extent of our Judaism. But it was just more like me going home and seeing my parents. I hadn't seen them in a while. But this is what's going on. If you want to know the current mind of the white liberal, especially the boomer white liberal, because this is where I get my insights, because I can speak to my parents. I also have friends and other family that I can speak to who are liberal, where I get a better idea of like what's going on. And uh, it's gun control. That's what's going on with the older boomers. They weren't even talking about Trump much with the indictment and everything. They really weren't. Um, it didn't get brought up much, but they started talking. My mom just gets all heated about AR-15s. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell them things like my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong about this, is that in close proximity, pistols are worse. And I think it has to do with like higher velocity guns. They at close distance do less damage because the bullet goes through really fast and it creates like less damage that like a pistol could kind of get like the bullet could get lodged in and stuff and that creates more problems. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that. I don't remember where I heard it, but I don't know much about guns. Now, I've shot guns before. I've shot an AR-15 before, and I've shot pistols before. And pistols come in different sizes. So they go, we need to ban AR-15s. And I'm like, if you're in a classroom or like a nightclub, like the pulse shooting, do you think it's going to make a difference if it doesn't have like a scope on it, if it's a pistol? You think they're not going to be able to like this person in Tennessee killed three children and three adults. You think they couldn't do that with a pistol? Do you think the AR was even necessary? Six people. How many bullets does a pistol have? Like 12? I had an easier time hitting the target with a pistol than with the AR. The AR, I didn't like shooting the AR. My, if you ever shoot like a hunting rifle, like a bolt action, those are fucking awesome. But... And, you know, they, they don't even talk about, like, banning those, which is nice. Because I want to get one of those. Those are fucking awesome. But I just don't see... I'm like, do you think that if you banned AR-15s, there wouldn't be school shootings anymore? Like, they just use a pistol. Or they just illegally acquire... The whole thing's stupid, and I don't like to debate policy anymore. People debate policy like, well, no, we have to limit the magazines to this many bullets and we need to make sure that there are no AR-15s and that you can only get a pistol. And I'm like, that wouldn't solve the problem at all. I don't know how you solve that problem. I think maybe you write to the um, whoever's... Maybe maybe it's still residual conspiracy theorist brain, but if it's the CIA or whoever's running these ops, maybe just write into them, like write in and give them new fresh ideas for psyops to keep people afraid. And maybe be like, hey, I like what you've been doing with the school shooting stuff. It's really effective and children are very afraid and they grow up in a in a very 
uncomfortable paradigm where you're now putting like lockdown rooms in the classroom. Have, I don't know if you've seen those. They're like extendable. They like fold up or you open it up and they're like bulletproof chambers that the kids all run into and they do drills all the time. That's just Holocaust for white kids. You know what I mean? Jews get the Holocaust treatment. It would have been you. You would have been dead. And everyone you love would have died. Oh, I'm scared. Good. <clears throat> and for white kids, it's like you're going to get shot at school. You know that place that your parents send you to that you have to go to every day or five days a week? That's where you'll die. And it'll be some tranny with a gun or whatever. I don't know. No, it'll be a white supremacist with a gun. This was an exception. And I don't even like getting in the weeds on that whole argument. I'm like, what would be the result of me kind of like becoming involved in that argument? Like, would it, am I supposed to get like mad and start being afraid of transgenders and thinking that they're all violent? Because when they do it with like, if someone spray paints a swastika on the side of a synagogue, I'm not like afraid that there's these Nazis all around and they're going to get me. They're going to get me. I don't care. Free Jew. Remember? So is the, is the idea to be like, you see that drag queen over there? He might kill you. He might be armed and he's clearly insane and he might kill you. I'm like, no, I'm not afraid of any of these people. I find them weird and misguided. I think they're used as pawns and taken advantage of and I feel bad about that. But they don't scare me. It's like the whole thing when, when they call it like transphobia or homophobia. And I'm like, it's not phobia. It's not fear. There's no fear there. But anyway, <clears throat> that is what they do for white kids. They're like, get, get in the chamber. <laughs> get in the bulletproof chamber to protect yourself because you never know when they'll show up, one of your angry classmates. It could be any one of them. Maybe you would never suspect it. Maybe little Jonathan over there is gonna show up with an AR-15. Yes, he's 11 years old, but he could be a threat. Always be vigilant, always be watching. They might be coming to get you. Why can't they control us with other means? It always has to be fear-based, trauma-based control. Maybe we should start brainstorming other ways to control people. We can present that to the, uh, I don't know, to the, the House Intelligence Committee. And we can be like, listen, you've been keeping the population in check using your fear-based tactics. Very impressive. Very impressive. We think maybe it's time to pivot to a more positive approach, which can yield the same results. We, we should think of some ideas instead of telling all the, the, you know, white kids in middle school to always be prepared 
to run into this um, to run into this little bulletproof chamber when 11-year-old Jonathan shows up with an AR-15 that he got from his white supremacist father. Let's continue listening to this fella. I don't know how much longer we'll do because I don't know if there's any substance here that would be fun to make fun of. I'm sure that mo he's just having a hard time already off the top getting to the point. He's being annoying and I don't really know what his message is here. Let's see. There's been a refrain and a song going around in, in this movement. In this movement. Power to the people. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't vet this. <laughs> I swear I didn't vet this. I saw like a five second clip on Twitter from like somewhere in the middle of the speech. And I said, oh, I got to do that on the podcast. I didn't vet it. I didn't know he was going to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Maybe we will listen for a while. Like, that was actually pretty great. I I have I make a point, too, about this guy, Justin Pearson, and why I don't, like, dislike him that much because of, because of his, like, the nature of his grift. I kind of respect it. But let's continue, and then I'll explain that a little bit more. Power to the people. Power to Not the people. Time. Don't do it again. Power oh. to the people. Hosanna. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and foes who will stumble and fall. Why does he feel the need to do that and recite scripture? Let's listen to a little bit more and see if anything really funny happens again, like when he was just singing just there. And, uh, and then we'll move on and I'll make the point about him being kind of a respectable grifter, in my opinion or that it could be worse. We'll give him another like minute and see if anything fun happens and otherwise we'll move on. Me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me even then will I be confident one thing I ask of the Lord. So even then will I be confident one thing. See they, they do that too where they, like there's a period. You could tell that there's a period there but he doesn't take the pause. He just continues on the, Again, that's an MLK thing. I, I don't like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, I went to the store earlier today. One thing that I got was eggs. It's even like, it's quicker than that. I went to the store the other day. One thing that I got was eggs, but there was a period there or like a comma. And they deliberately like shorten it. The amount of like the pause that they would, I don't. It's a weird rhetorical device. It's not convincing to me or persuasive in any way. Only that I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek God in God's temple. For in the day of trouble, God will keep me safe in God's dwelling. God will hide me in the shelter of God's sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted. My... Above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent, I'll sacrifice. 
with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. I'll sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. To my me. heart says of you, seek God's face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away. And of the community who is here demanding justice. We are here because of a tragedy. Covenant School shooting victims, Catherine Coons, Mike Hill, Cynthia Peake, Evelyn Dickhouse, Haley Scruggs, and William Kenny. We're here because of a tragedy. All right. <clears throat> That's enough. I had to fast forward there too. The, the, the scripture was too long. Like, pick a small part, a few lines, and then get into your point. Don't spend the first five minutes of your speech reciting scripture. Get to the point. What are you talking about? This is why they expelled you. <laughs> Make your point. Don't dilly-dally and meander with your annoying voice and inflections. Say what you're going to say. If you want scripture to be the backbone of it, find something quicker. Oh, so that's what's going on with that guy. And I'll tell you what I... The type of grift that I prefer is grifting outside of your community. That if you must grift, I say, don't grift your own. Try not to grift your own. I try to do the opposite of grifting my own. Like rather than pander to Jews and always talk about the Holocaust and six million, 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 six million. I try to do the opposite. I made Jews uncomfortable, but I try to like tell them the truth and kind of snap them out of this trauma, fear porn mechanism. And I certainly won't make money off Jews from that. At least I don't think so. So I'm not grifting my people. But if I was going to grift, I'd probably start doing like conservative, like white Christian grifting. I would grift off them. Because I still do have some like group preference for Jews. And even though I don't like those Jews, remember we were talking about that? Those Jews? The Jews that like in my life and average everyday Jews, I do like. For the most part. I wouldn't date a Jewish woman, though. I learned that. But, um, or, you know, I guess there's always exceptions, but it's just not, it's not a goal. And, uh, but that's who I would grift off of. It would be the white Christian conservatives. Like, that's where I would direct my grift if I was going to start grifting. I would direct it at them. Or maybe black people, too. Now that I know what I know, but I don't want to grift blacks. I don't have a desire to do that. I think I, I would, I would try to focus on the, the Christians, the white Christians. That's where I would, if I could find like, again, if I sold out entirely and totally changed my tune and deleted everything I've ever done and made sure there was no trace of it, then maybe I would, if I could live a lie, I would grift white liberals because that would be like I would get a lot of joy out of that taking their money and stuff but I have too much integrity to do that now let's hear MLK 
And this must have been in like a smaller theater because he's not being that annoying. And I'll give him props for that. So let's listen to him a little bit and kind of just compare it back to this guy, Justin. That we should slow up and just be nice and patient and continue to pray and in 100 and two, uh, 200 years the problem will work itself out. We'll work because itself only out. time can solve the problem. I think that is an answer to that myth. And it is that time is, is neutral. See? It can be used either constructively or destructively. Either I'm absolutely convinced that the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme rightists in our nation, have often used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words of the bad people and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. It seems to me, I, I can't really pinpoint exactly why that's so boring. And like, it's a, like, I, I, like I said, it's not as bad as kind of I was remembering it. And everyone just hears the I have a dream speech. And like, that's really the worst form of what he, the way he spoke. Like, that's the best example of him being annoying. But it kind of seems like formulaic, like he's thinking it through the way that he's going to, you know what I mean? Like, see what I'm doing with my hand? If you're just listening, it's just like, it's like a conductor almost. It's like, it's like um, he's got sheet music and he sees exactly how he's going to say each word and say this sentence and go on to the next sentence and do this and then do this and say more here and it's just like i don't know what is it do you think that's so it's just people like that maybe in the 1960s they liked it but they were they were different people clearly i gotta take a sip of water <clears throat> so Obviously, it's better than the other guy. And the other guy's just trying to do this. Oh, and what I was going to say to finish that thought. Justin Pearson, is this is for whites. So he's doing that grift for white liberals. Like, this isn't for black people, what he's doing. This is for white liberals. That's who he's grifting. And he'll probably be able to take this whole situation and make a lot of money out of it. If he's smart. And he'll be getting that money from white liberals. There will be some blacks, but a lot of the money is going to be coming from white liberals. And that's his grift. And so I say, his grift is more respectable because of where he's directing it. Now, is he actually going to help with the things that he wants to help with? No. He, but he's going to help himself by making more money off white liberals. And I think we can respect that. I think we're being honest. We don't have to hate on him for that. You got to get your reparations somehow. So we just heard him. Okay, one more second of it. Somewhere we must come to see that social progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. 
and then we'll switch back to uh, Justin here. Because we spoke up about the tragedy of gun violence that continues to perpetuate and persist in our state. We're here today witnessing injustice against the First Amendment. We spoke up for gun control and the end of gun violence. We're here today, we're being sought to be expelled from this, the people's house for speaking up about the need, the need for gun control because See, it's just like a knockoff. It's like the meme. It's like the meme when it's like, I forget exactly how the meme goes, but it's like, mom, can we get, can we get uh, chicken nuggets at McDonald's? And mom's like, we have chicken nuggets at home. This guy is the chicken nuggets at home. MLK is the chicken nuggets from McDonald's and this guy's the chicken nuggets at home. Neither of them are very good, but one's clearly better. And he's saying that this is like, this First Amendment stuff, just just give it up. I've been trying to tell that to like conservatives and libertarians and stuff. It's not. <clears throat> it wasn't a First Amendment thing. And it's not the fact that he was speaking about gun control. It's that he went up there with a bullhorn when he wasn't supposed to be speaking. The three of them went up there. And they just start yelling and causing chaos. And then the other members of this House of Representatives voted to expel him and the other guy. So is this a violation of the First Amendment? It's like when people get banned from Twitter and they're like, this is a violation of the First Amendment. No, it's not. You're, and, and that... That goes to victim consciousness, which is like the backbone of all of these things. Black people, slavery, victim. Um, Jew, Holocaust, victim. Free speech, banned from Twitter, victim. You don't need Twitter. It's not like a right. It's not a human right. All of these things like Here's a good one. Something I realized about a lot of Americans, like when do you think the world when do you think the world started? When do you think history started? So if you look at like a flag waving conservative Christian, they think that history begins in 1776. Anything that happened prior to that doesn't count. It's irrelevant. Except for like the the birth of Christ. But it was like the birth of Christ, and then nothing, and then 1776. That's the way they view the world and history. That's where it all starts. Jews think that history begins in 1933, when Hitler comes to power. That's the beginning of history for Jews. Everything else before that, well, Leo Frank they'll talk about. I never even told you the Leo Frank story. I told you for like a month I'd tell you that story. I'll tell you it. It's actually not as long as I described it. I'll tell you that right now. And this will be a little free Judaism for you. The creation of the Anti-Defamation League was in response to what happened to this gentleman, Leo Frank, who lived in Mississippi, I believe. In like This happened in like 1915. So the context of it, and I learned this from Thomas 777, 
is that in the South, the difference between the North and the South is that the South, it was just racial. You were white or you were black. That's it. That's how you created distinctions in the South. So if you were a Jew in the South, you were white. It wasn't, there, there wasn't like rampant anti-Semitism. No, you were a white person in the South. There was racism, but there was not rabid anti-Semitism. And the other thing is too, they, it, like black people and white people got along better in the South because they had lived together. The dynamics changed, obviously, but they had known one another. The, when you had the migration of blacks to the Northern cities, it was worse. Because the, all these whites who lived in the North, they didn't want that. They had never interacted with black people in their lives. And now all of a sudden there's tons of black people coming into the cities. And there was a lot more tension there. But the difference too in the North is that it was more ethnic. So in the North you were a Jew. Or you were Irish. Or you were Italian. In the South it's like Irish, Italian, Jewish, white. That's what it was. Sip of water. So you got this guy, Leo Frank, and he's a business owner. He owns this like manufacturing. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but he owns like a manufacturing like clothing plant or whatever. And he rapes and murders a young girl. And a black man who was one of the like handymen sees him do it and testifies against Leo Frank, okay? So understand the context here. It's the early 1900s. And a Jew, but a white man in the South, business owner, is accused of raping and murdering a young girl. And the conviction is based on the testimony of a black man, okay? Early 1900s, Mississippi, white jury not a black jury not a jewish jury white jury and they found this black man credible enough they believed him to convict leo frank of this crime and then leo frank was lynched by an angry mob who removed him from the jail and killed him which to me if there's a time to do that I'd say, um, based on what he did, I'm cool with that, you know? I'm cool with that extrajudicial killing. I think you should be too. So that's the story there. We got sidetracked. I forget what even got me on that point, but... Let's continue what we've been doing here, and that was a nice little aside, and now you know a little more than you did earlier today, right? I think so. Now let's listen to Malcolm, and listen to the way that he speaks, and maybe we can pinpoint why it's a lot better. What is 20, what, what do you call second-class citizenship? Why, that's colonization. Second-class citizenship is nothing but 20th century slavery. How are you going to tell me you're a second-class citizen? They don't have second-class citizenship in any other government on this earth. 
They just have slaves and people who are free. Well, this country is a hypocrite. They try and make you think they set you free by calling you a second-class citizen. No, you're nothing but a 20th century slave. I think I just figured it out. <clears throat> In both cases that we just listened to, Justin Pearson and Martin Luther King, they're reading. They are reading from a prepared speech. They're reading a prepared speech that they wrote or someone else wrote. Malcolm is not reading. This is, what do they call it, extemporaneous? It's off the dome. He's just giving a speech. He knows a lot. He has a lot to say. And he goes up and he gives a speech. I always prefer... You can tell the difference, like, once you're kind of tuned in. In this case, it's very easy to tell. And I don't know... And it just dawned upon me that that's why Malcolm comes across as more authentic in a speech and why it's like more enjoyable to listen to because he's just speaking. He's not reading. It's always going to be harder to read. Actors are good at it. But other than that, it's, it's just not as much fun to listen to. It's not as enjoyable. Malcolm's just going off the dome. I always prefer, I noticed this with comedy. And you can tell when someone's doing a very, very rehearsed joke. You can tell by the way that they're saying it. And then you can also tell when someone's actually just going off the dome. Some comics are very good at disguising a very rehearsed bit. But you can even notice it with like Louis. Louis C.K. I started to notice it and I... You could have like a skeleton, like a backbone of what you're going to say. But then you're still doing it kind of like you're, you're formulating it there in person and it just comes across a lot better and it's more enjoyable. So you can tell that that's what Malcolm is doing. Like he knows what he's going to go up there and talk about. He knows he's going to talk about the second class citizen thing, but he doesn't know exactly how it's going to come out. He's not going to read it off paper and maybe even wrote it. Like, again, you can do this too. If you like write it to organize your thoughts and then you go up and you speak. But it's so much more compelling and you never like you'll surprise yourself sometimes because you're not exactly sure what you're going to say or how you're going to say it exactly. You've got some ideas, you've got some key points that you're going to hit, but you don't know exactly how it's going to come out. And you might say something fucking awesome that you didn't even know where it came from, but you can't do that if you're reading. And it's just going to sound more authentic. The, your cadence. So we can see. A clear distinction. We'll listen to a little more Malcolm. Just as it took nationalism to move, to remove colonialism from Asia and Africa, it'll take black nationalism today to remove colonialism from the backs and the minds of 22 million Afro-Americans here in this country. And 1964 looks like it might be the year of the ballot or the bullets. That actually sounded a little bit like he was reading that part. And you could tell it didn't sound as good as the first part where he's like, he's just, he's just, you know, going off the cuff. But he's very good at that. And like black people are really good at that. They're really good at speaking extemporaneously, especially when they're like, 
impassioned, you know, so I, I enjoy listening to that stuff. But I think that's about, like, do we want to do, I fucking move the, I move the uh, keyboard. Hold on. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's see if we can, uh, let's see if we can find just Barack speaking. Barack Obama speech. Um, it's 2004. When do we want to do? 2020? No, because he got way worse at speaking by the time it was 2020. Um, let's see. 2004, should we do that? Let's try that one. Grandfather signed up for duty. Joined Patton's army, marched across Europe. Back home, my grandmother raised a baby and went to work on a bomber assembly line. After the war, they studied on the GI Bill, bought a house through FHA, and later moved west, all the way to Hawaii, in search of opportunity. And they, too, had big dreams for their daughter, a common dream born of two continents. My parents shared not only an improbable love, they shared an abiding faith in the possibilities of this nation. Can you nation. hear it? They would give me an African name, Barack, or Blessed, believing that in a tolerant America, oh, Barry. your name is... There are, there's a uh, sprinkle of MLK in that, you can tell. But he was able to kind of make it his own. He used that as influence. And I, you know, even just what he's saying there, like talking about his parents and stuff, like if you look into Barry's past and like his upbringing and his links to the Bush family, it's a little different than the way he describes. It's pretty interesting, honestly. Like that's when, that's, that's, those are fun rabbit holes. The Barry, you know, big Mike Obama, his husband or wife. Um, those are fun. Those are fun. But you could, like, that's better. I'll hit on Barry. It's, it's hard at this point. After everything that's happened, and I really, like, resent him for a lot of the things that he did, that he made certain things possible. Like, a lot of the, the wild gay stuff is, like, based on some legislation that he changed, the, the trans stuff, where it, like, Got, I, I heard Owen Benjamin talking about this, where they reclassified it from a mental illness to something else, and that made it so you could start like marketing drugs to them, and then things just go haywire, and then, you know, nine-year-olds are on hormone therapy. That was his doing. That was his administration. So I don't like that. As a speaker, especially when he was peaking, you know, when, when he was president, much better. I mean, he was good. You gotta hand it to the guy. You can't. Don't lie. We could still be honest about these things. You don't have to like him. But he was good at speaking. Definitely good at speaking. Now it's annoying. Let's compare that to. Um, let's hear. Maybe there's one from. Uh, from like this year. joke in my household that uh, 
Michelle, you know, she's got a dazzling smile. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, l listen, I, I understand there, there's, in terms of popularity, there's basically Michelle, Malia, Sasha, Sonny, our dog, and me. I understand. She's hot. She's smart. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> he is like, he's also was able to be funny. Like no one's as funny president-wise in recent memory as Trump, but he knew how to be funny. And the, the, the problem with what we're watching right now is he's not reading. And so even then, like even with him, that obviously is better, but he's too slow, even when he's speaking extemporaneously. Now that was a pretty good example. So a bad example for the point that I'm trying to make. But uh, let's see. Okay, let's see here. Thank you very much. It is great to be back. Uh, President and Dr. Biden, Vice President Harris, and Second Gentleman Emhoff, uh, thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, thanks for letting us invite a few friends to the White House. Uh, we will try not to tear up the place. Someone... pressure. <laughs> Someone once said that if you're looking for a friend in Washington, get a dog. <laughs> Our family was lucky enough to have two wonderful dogs. But I was even luckier to have a chance to spend eight years working day and night with a man who became a true partner and a true friend. That's so funny. <laughs> he pauses too much. If you took like this, for example, this is a short speech. It's like 10 minutes. If you took out the, his pauses, it would be like four minutes. He pauses more than he speaks. That's what is the problem with 2023 Barack or 2022. I think this is 2022. Just too many pauses. Um, but it's also funny the way that he talks about Joe, because I don't know what's going on. It's confusing, and I don't really know if it's still Barry in charge, if he's the one who's calling the shots, because obviously Joe is very uninvolved in what's happening. And so it's like, is the machine just operating itself, or are all these bureaucracies just operating themselves? And so it's more like the cabinet that's in charge, and, and Joe's just the figurehead, or is it being directed by Barry? Because I... Like, it wouldn't surprise me. My parents think that's insane. They're like, oh, you're conspiracy theory nonsense. I'm like, why wouldn't he be, in, like, involve himself? And the other thing is, sip of water, of course, is that Joe Biden was, like, the laughing stock of the Obama presidency. Obama would make fun of him and bully him, and everyone thought he was a retard. No one liked Joe. And now he's like a partner and a friend in Washington. And uh, it wasn't my dog. He has the, uh, he has the uh, intelligence of a dog, certainly. Uh, 
But Joe, uh, he became a, a friend. He became a friend. Was that okay? I feel like I'm usually really bad at most impressions. But I don't think that was that bad. If I can be honest, you, you tell me otherwise. And I'll never do it again. Actually, fuck you. I'll do it if I feel like it. Sorry for snapping at you. We just did over an hour and um, I should have prepared more, honestly, because I, it doesn't have to be an hour. I mean, an hour is good. An hour is like a solid amount of time and it gives you something to listen to. But I also like doing a lot longer than that. And I, at least like an hour and a half feels a lot better, especially if it doesn't suck. But I feel like I'd just be kind of meandering because I didn't really prepare too many notes. So let me just like quickly... I don't even know where I, oh, I was just looking for my phone and I'm recording on it. Isn't that funny? I think that's like, do I have anything else that I want to talk about? I have old notes from, I listened to, to old episodes when COVID was going on and I was annoying too, because I was just talking too much about it. And it's like, we get it. And if you didn't get it, then you'll never get it. But for those of us who get it, we just keep belaboring the point and we keep talking about like the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy. If you're still trying to point out the hypocrisy of liberals or if you're a liberal and you're trying to point out the hypocrisy of conservatives, it's such a waste of time. They don't care. Why would they care? If I need to do something and take a certain stance at a certain time to get power or maintain my power, then I'm going to do that. And then later on, if I have to say the exact opposite thing, I'm going to do that. You shouldn't be surprised by that. I can't believe the hypocrisy because now conservatives are doing that. They're like, oh, they'll indict Trump over this, but they won't indict Hillary and they won't indict Benghazi and they won't indict Anthony Fauci. I'm like, what? Like, no. Why would you think that they would? You think Biden's DOJ, Merrick Garland, who got shafted by Mitch McConnell and clearly has a grudge against Republicans for fucking him because he would have been on the Supreme Court. This man's got an axe to grind. And you think he's going to go after Hillary Clinton? You're fucking insane. Stop being that dumb. I get embarrassed. Truthers and stuff truthers, libertarians, conservatives, like you're being really dumb about some of these things. Why would you even ask the question? It's like when they go, why isn't the media covering this? The media that you say always lies about everything is totally dishonest and is trying to mind control people. You're surprised. Why isn't the media covering this? It's inexplicable. It's very explicable. Actually, it's very obvious. The lying media (laughs) that's trying to control the minds of the masses is being deceitful and it surprises you, even though you recognize them as being lying and deceitful. And you're like, why isn't the media covering this? Stop being stupid. I'm holding you to a higher standard because you've been able to see through certain things. It's when... When, you know, a lot of conservatives became Ukrainian flag people 
after COVID. How do you see through COVID, but you don't see through the Ukrainian flag thing? It's embarrassing. You don't see through the fucking Chinese balloon? The balloon? You think the balloon is an act of war? A fucking weather balloon that blew off course? You think it's an act of war? You think TikTok? Okay, we'll do a little bit more time because I'm thinking of things to say. That whole situation was insane. And I did make like a quick video about it, like a three-minute video, which I do sometimes, and I put them on like TikTok and Instagram. But you think... It made so little sense. Like, you think a balloon is a problem. Okay, because it's spying. But you think that China is using TikTok. The Chinese government uses TikTok to spy on 160 million Americans. Why would they do a balloon to spy? Like, so they're in everyone's phone. And everything you do on your phone gets logged and tracked. And and just like for a little additional spy, spy craft, they also do a balloon. Why would they do that? Stop being so dumb. Adam Curry on No Agenda had the best take on this, and it's obviously what's happening. Younger people use TikTok instead of Google. As like their first point. If something happens, they don't go on Twitter, they don't go on Google, they go on TikTok. They want to find out what's going on. They watch TikTok videos about it. So this is bad for business. And so this is just anti-competitive behavior, which I guess is understandable. Like if you can't win fair and square, then cheat. Okay. I don't think it's a good thing, but why would you expect Google to not cheat? or any of these big tech companies. So they're like, we can't compete with TikTok. They have something that we don't. They have an algorithm that we don't understand that we can't replicate and that everyone seems to like more. So we're just gonna say it's Chinese spyware and we're gonna ban it. And you think it's a problem that even if it's true, let's even concede that point. Let's say yes, TikTok is Chinese spyware and they provide data, what does that even mean? Like they provide data, your personal data, for over 100 million Americans, like they're able to, you know, wrap, wrap their heads around this and make sense of it. And then they provide that to the Chinese government. What's the government of China gonna do to you? You realize you live in a different country? Do you know how that works? Are you aware of how that works? Do you know what jurisdiction means? This is for conservatives. So you got mad about the balloon because it was in our airspace. That's, that's our sovereignty. We are a sovereign nation. So we have borders and things that happen within our borders. That's our jurisdiction. So we get to determine the outcome of those events. So if you put a balloon there, we get to pop the balloon, okay? If China thinks you've committed some kind of thought crime or whatever, based on your behavior on TikTok, you'd have to go to China to get in trouble. You realize that? China's not taking over the United States. Stop listening to Tucker. The Chinese. Aha! He does the laugh thing. I can't do a fucking Tucker. Mexicans. 
They're trying to rape you. <laughs> Mexicans are trying to rape you. And the Chinese are going to take over America and let them all in. Tucker does so much fear porn. I can't watch the guy anymore. I used to like him. That was stupid that I liked him. So you're worried. Are you worried that the United States government, that if the Chinese government has a problem with what you're doing and they're spying on you, that the United States government is going to extradite you to China so they can deal with you? Like, what is this fantasy world that you're in? And why are you afraid of the Chinese? The Chinese are fine. It's so transparent. They're just trying to make you hate China. How can you not see that? You should have been able to decipher that in five seconds. When you turned on the TV and it said, Chinese spy balloon, you should have been like, trying to make me hate China. Maybe I said this on the last episode, but it's so obvious. You shouldn't need help with that. I get a lot of help from the stuff that I listen to, and it's nice, but you shouldn't need help with something that obvious. And if you can't see through this TikTok thing, And then here, I'm helping you, okay? I'm giving you the help that you need. It's, it's complete nonsense. TikTok's not a problem. I mean, I get it. Like, I don't like TikTok, and I only go on there to post things. I never watch TikTok. So if you think it's weird, which I get, because there's a lot of, like, kids doing weird stuff that I don't like. But that's not China's fault. That's like our crumbling society that has no values and everything has to be gay or it's wrong. And everything has to be sexualized. That's our problem. So the, the content that you see reflected on TikTok would be present on any other platform, whether Chinese or otherwise. If TikTok was an American company, you'd see the same thing. It's not a China problem. They're not trying to ruin us with this software. If they are, you know, I'd be surprised. Seems like they just made a good product and they're reaping the benefits of that. And you wanna to go to war with them over it. I mean, like, some people literally were calling for war over the balloon. Like, you wanna to go to war with your largest trading partner. Good idea, because the balloon. Right, of course, yeah, no, it's totally reasonable. You can't be just I mean, it was a weather balloon that blew off course. That's basically, they might as well have bombed New York City. That's an act of war. I can't believe you people. Some, some of you I'm referring to you. Usually when I say you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to people who don't listen to this, but people who we know are annoying. But some of you this applies to who listen to this because you like Tucker. Shame on you. But it's okay. Just recognize these things and you'll be good. Because you should not need help with this. You should be able to discern that for yourself. If you still think TikTok is a problem, I don't know what to tell you. It's not and you're wrong. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so we did a little more time. I have these old notes, sorry, 
Uh, picture of mm, NBC running for cover. Inflation is COVID's fault. No way, it's Russia's fault. Gas prices, how do we fix it? None of that stuff's really that interesting. But I don't know when I wrote this note. I must have wrote this note like six months ago or something. I guess that's what was going on. Okay. Well, that's going to be it for, for today. As I said, I don't know how... Like, I've told you before that I'll try to get on a schedule and be like, oh, every Thursday you'll get an episode. Like, I'm just not going to make you promises because I don't want to disappoint you. This was a good week. You got two episodes. You got the first episode and the second episode of the new Free Jew podcast. There will be some blog posts as well. You should listen. You should subscribe to the audio feed. And I will include a link to that below. It wasn't letting me include it when I posted the first video. It said I had to like verify or something. So I'll fix that and I'll include the link because you should go there because there's 50 old episodes that are pretty good. Some of them aren't so good. I don't know. I just picked 50 that I thought I didn't really listen back to all of them. I listened back to some and I was like, okay, this can this can go in the new feed. But here on YouTube, you've got two episodes, at least on Spotify, you've got 52 It'll probably, I don't know, when whenever Apple Podcast is going to let it on, like it's taking a while, but when they let it on, then you can listen to there, you can listen there too, because that's where most people used to listen. I'll try to put it on some of these like alternative platforms for podcasts, like I use Podverse, I'm trying to figure out how to even like get my podcast on there. So I'm figuring these things out. And the other thing is on the audio feed, and maybe I'll post them here. Maybe I'll post them here, even though they'll be audio only, will be that some of the blog posts that are funnier and that like say fag more and things like that, um, and just are, are a little bit wild, I'm gonna try to get those converted to audio and have the AI voice. Cause like I said, I love that. It's really funny. So those are the things that will be in the works. I'll see you again hopefully soon, hopefully within the next week or two. And there will be plenty more to talk about. There's always something to talk about, you know, this fucking Tennessee three. I think we had fun with that. So thank you for listening and I love you. And I'll see you next time.